What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond, Beyond the Void. Horror Podcast. That's right. We're on episode 135 this week. Today, we have a special guest for you all, and that is Corin Nemec. <laughs> <laughs> that is Corin Nemec of uh, Rotten Tale, a movie uh, that is coming out here this week. Uh, it should be the 26th, technically, but we'll get into that more afterwards. But uh, Corin Nemec is uh, from... Parker Lewis can't lose SG one. Uh, he's also been in Webster, which, uh, you know, for some of us that are old enough to know what the fuck that show is, but, uh, he's been in a lot of other movies, of course, uh, many other films, many other, uh, he's actually directed even stuff. So, uh, but we're going to have an interview with him today talking about rotten tail. And, uh, and then of course we're going to do our review of the movie afterwards and kind of give you our, Spin on what we think uh, about the movie and uh, who might enjoy it. And if it's for everyone, et cetera, et cetera. We won't be doing any spoilers or anything. And Corin's going to be detailing a lot of the uh, information about the movie that would be any of the trivia. So we're pretty much just going to give you our opinions, tell you who's in it uh, and all that stuff. And then uh, so it might be a little bit shorter episode than normal. Oh, and happy Easter to you guys. Hope you had a great one. Of course, how are you, Brittany? Good. Yeah? <laughs> You've been having some fun things happening. You're telling me about some fun things, like off off, uh, off yeah. microphone. Yeah. We don't have to get into that. I'm just saying. My life is, my life is in a roller coaster. She lives a blessed life, guys. I live a blessed life. <laughs> it's magical. I love it. My unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, wait, you can't do that. <laughs> uh, so what'd you do? Did you have anything uh, that you did this week, this past week that you uh, can no, talk about? Not that I can talk about. Okay. Um, she fucked a horse, guys. Yeah, Tijuana. <laughs> donkey show. It was fucking amazing. Great. Dude, just, I've never seen a donkey get tired. Like, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's I, the first thing. I, I know think. how to bring it. I mean, I've only seen thing. a donkey show like 10 times. <laughs> Ten times. But out of the ten, there's the only one that <laughs> only really stands out. Ten times. <laughs> That's it. Somebody out there is That's like, it. you fucking shameful yeah. piece of shit. Turned us off. Yeah, right? don't donkey shame me. Don't donkey shame him. How dare you? Rude. Uh, I'm going to a fucking blood rave tomorrow. Oh, yeah, bro. Is Blade going to be there? Uh, I hope not. I'm just kidding. I don't want to die. Yeah. But it, it it's totally like Blade-esque. 
like modeled after it. So right. it, it no, was different totally. than like a million times different than Bloodfest. That's what so. I was gonna say. Like wasn't Bloodfest initially started with that uh concept in mind as I'm well? Sure. Yeah. yeah, but it's so veered so very far away from that concept. Oh, sure, yeah. Over the last like ten years that Bloodfest has been going. And okay. No disrespect towards Bloodfest. No, 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 no. I'm just um, comparing. Because it's it's a thing. It's fun. Yeah, and I found out that nudity is inc- is not, encouraged. Yeah, it's encouraged, and I'm like, well, it's not encouraged, but it's allowed yeah. essentially, and I'm I'm sure it's encouraged too. But I'm like, hell yeah! <laughs> so it's a full. I'd like, be like, hell no! I'd bring a winter jacket. Like I'm stoked. Like it's gonna be super fun, and then we're doing a golf. What am I? What are we doing on Saturday for my friend's birthday? We're doing a golf pub crawl. Nude? No. Okay. <laughs> no, this is Scottsdale. We can't be nude. <laughs> But we're going, we're all meeting at Goodwill at like eight o'clock and then we're picking out horrible like golf clothes. Yeah, that's awesome. And then wearing them. Are you going to go to like the... And then going on a pub crawl and we're playing golf with with drinks. Oh, that's nice. So each bar that we're going to is a different like par or a hole or whatever the fuck. Some of them are like sand traps or... I don't know golf, so I'm going to fuck up, but obviously like (laughs) the the lowest score wins. So if you drink a higher level alcohol like a shot or whatever you get less points than if you drink beer or water or whatever oh i see what you're saying so yes. water is like higher water points. is like 10 points gotcha okay i see or something like that but like a shot i think is like one or two that's interesting yeah so we're all gonna die <laughs> basically but i'm really excited it's gonna be really fun because i have never done anything like this before and i'm like for the love of god do not pick out a horrible ass outfit for me <laughs> well if you're wearing those clothes you'll fit in just right that's why I feel like we might be fine. <laughs> they were like, the boys in the hood are all... <laughs> I'm like, someone just get me a fucking, what's the little alligator shirt? <laughs> yeah, the fucking, yeah. LaCroix I don't. I can't or think whatever. of it. It's not LaCroix, that's water. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you have a good time out there. I, think I can't fucking wait. I'm sure you'll have fun. I'm not going to be doing anything interesting like that. But we recorded last time on Tuesday and the very next day, which I didn't get to talk about, is I actually went to go meet Don Coscarelli and go watch Phantasm um, on the big screen at the Alamo Draft House, which was a, a lot right. of fun. I went with one of my buddies who I used to know many, 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 many moons ago. He hit me up and was like, yo, dude, I got extra tickets. Do you want to go see a movie or two? And I was like, yeah, what do you mean two? And he was like, well, after we do the Don Coscarelli fucking uh uh, you know, meet and greet and then also watch his movie and everything like that. They have the, the CEO of the Alamo Draft House coming and he has pulled a movie out from the vault that has been pretty much lost. And there's like very few copies. Like I think they had like one of the only existing copies and they, they donate their movies that they find to this, uh, conservation that saves film and then digitally, uh, you know, does it in like 8K or something like that. I don't remember. Or like redo it. Right. Like they just keep it in its own format. They don't do any like, you know, like finish, like fixing it or anything, but they keep it because a lot of the films that they, that have been in history have been just thrown out. Like there's some 1920s films that have just been chucked mm-hmm. and people are like, what the fuck? Like, why would you throw these away? But they just thought, well, it's just old shit, you know, but they try to conserve it. And they found this one movie called the astrologer, which my God, dude, <laughs> like, can I just tell you that what the story is about? Because I haven't been able to talk about it. And it kind of blew my mind. <laughs> like, uh, it's not a horror movie, um, but it is just one of those so bad it's good kind of movies, like terribly. <laughs> uh, we, it's about a guy 
who's a, a real life person, okay, who is making a movie about his life, like the beginning of it, and what it would have been like had something had happened the way that he intended it to happen. So in the movie, you get to meet him as a child, grow up as like a, a circus freak, sort of like astrologer guy, the great Alexander is what they called him. And then like... <laughs> Throughout the movie, he's like this swindler, right? And somehow he figures out how to get into the blood diamond uh, business and goes to, like, another country and, like, battles snakes. And then, like, his assistant, like, falls in quicksand. And then eventually, like, he starts making a whole bunch of money with it and decides that he's going to make a movie with all of his friends about his life. So in the movie about him, he makes a movie about him. <laughs> and and then it like details and it's the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen but I just can't believe that it was made and it just blew my mind so I had a blast my buddy Justin uh, took me so uh, thanks again if you're listening Justin that was awesome <laughs> but we were just sitting outside like oh my god you, you remember that part where he's like like the acting was so bad but it was also kind of intriguing it was literally kind of like a Tommy Wiseau movie <laughs> if they were to make an astrology movie, but with like all these ridiculous things that would have never happened in anyone's life. I, it's hard to explain. Just stuff would happen randomly. Like a woman gets taken in by quicksand and then he's like, they cut this like whole section out and he's got like wet sand all over him and he's got it in his mouth and he's trying to brush it out casually as the camera's rolling but he doesn't want to, like, make it too obvious. <laughs> it's just some funny shit, dude. But, yeah, anyway, so we did that, and then tomorrow we're going to go see La Llorona. Oh, that's right. That comes out this weekend. Right. So I'm probably going to do, like, a video review on that. Um, I'm, I'm, I have low expectations, but uh, you could check that video out probably right now. It's up on our YouTube, I'm sure, so just give it a whirl. Um It'll be interesting to see what I think, because I'm talking about this before. <laughs> so now we're going to do a little something a little different today than we normally do. We do I usually do our horror shots based on the movie. Uh, we come up with an alcoholic beverage with a clever name and and do a horror shot for the movie that we're going to be talking about. But we decided that we're going to talk about things that are coming out and what our thoughts are on these things. First of all, I want to bring up a new trailer for the, the DC show that's going to be on their streaming service. DC Online or whatever, uh, the Swamp Thing. So Swamp Thing is going to be coming out, and we'd heard news that there was going to be that they were they were rethinking their steps about the online service and if they were even going to do Swamp Thing anymore. And people were upset. Well, then the very next day, today they came out. I think it was today that they were actually going to be doing it, just not thirteen episodes and ten episodes. So we got to watch that today. What did you think of that? Have you ever watched any Swamp Thing stuff? I I don't know. Really? I, I feel like probably, but not that I can really like speak to. Well, there's to. like uh, movies, there's like, like I think it, it looks and... great though, but as a person who hasn't seen anything I think it looks of it. Cool. Yeah, would like, you for that like 8 second trailer? The teaser. Yeah, yeah which is literally Which just... is Derek Mears popping up out of the water. Which is cool. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I guess. just he it reminds me of old Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old Greg. I'm old Greg. <laughs> you like Baelish? Oh, so funny. <laughs> and so then funny. Uh, finally, we want to talk about one thing, and uh, this will probably take a few minutes, but uh, the new Child's Play trailer just released the full trailer, not the like... Not that brief one, yeah. One that didn't show anything about Chucky. 
I almost said buddy, but I was like, okay. But as some of you may or may not know, they are rebooting Child's Play, the franchise. And also, if some of you also may know, Don Mancini is pretty much like kind of like the father of Chucky and Child's Play and everything like that. He's been behind those projects for a long time. But the the actual name Child's Play is actually owned by separate people, and they're going to be doing a reboot at the same time that the TV show is going to be coming out by Don Mancini all about Chucky. Oh, they're doing a TV show, too? Yeah. So there was a lot of, like, you know, online controversy between fans, and of course it's going to split fans. There's going to be people who have no connection to, to Chucky and don't care and just want to see more stuff. There's going to be people that are like, fuck that, I'm not watching either one or that one or over the other one. But I watched it. And I was one of the people that was a little upset that they were kind of doing that uh, at the same time that they were going to be putting out the TV show. Because, for one, I'm actually okay with the new Chucky movie that came out not too long ago. Uh, the ending was a little shaky, but I still liked it. I thought it was bloody and gory and kind okay. of... I thought it was, like, enjoyable. But I watched the trailer. What did you think of the trailer? I liked it. It looks fucking fun. And you were kind of reserved about it, too. I was reserved too. about it, too. Well, I'm just reserved about, like, Mark Hamill voicing Chucky and not Brad Dorif. Like, I that's, still don't understand that. Why? That's my biggest thing. I don't know. You know how I am. I get weird with shit like that. Well, it's a fandom of, because obviously Brad Dorif, everybody's a fan of, because he's always been Chucky. Always. So it makes sense. But when you have someone that's like Mark Hamill, too, it's like, wow, he's like kind of like a higher class voice actor. Mark Hamill's awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. But it's just weird. Like... Little things like that will usually just sit in the back of my mind and like piss me off enough to like make me not like things. Right. That's just the way I am about. No, no, no. Shit. I mean, and that's I how most I don't people really know are. Why? But that's just the way it is. So well, when you're conditioned to me. something for a long period of time, and he's always been in the franchise since right. the fucking beginning, it kind of makes you go, "Wait, just like the new Hellboy movie." You know what yeah. I mean? But I'm like, if he said no and turned it down then that's different yeah i see but I, don't, I don't know what happened there if it was if it was offered to him or not so it's just kind of like i, I just, don't know it bums me out a little bit but seeing that they're going in this completely <clears throat> new different direction then it kind of makes sense yeah and we may mention way. something about in the trailer so if you don't want to hear that just find the timestamp for the uh, interview and listen to that but we're we're only going to wrap this up in like a minute or two anyway so but uh yeah, what was, what was the one part that we liked in the trailer was that he can connect to all electronic devices yeah, in your home. Fucking cool. Which I liked a lot. It's a cool idea. It's a it's an interesting concept and it's f- kind of fresh and new. You know what I mean? Especially I mean it isn't this, and it is. It, it, exactly. It, it is but it isn't, but for this franchise obviously it is. It's been it's done before. Uh well, like yeah. like the movie Pulse which was from the 80s that this electric electricity was like taking over almost like a ghost yeah what's that one that we watched but, but now nowadays we are so connected to our devices that a lot of this kind of makes sense like to me like like i'm okay with it because like i kind of feel that way it's like we stare at a fucking glowing window all fucking day and then we go to other glowing windows in our living room and yeah. our fucking studios or wherever the fuck it is yeah i mean there's there's lots of movies where like that you know the house is in charge of everything. The house goes evil and controls everything. Well, the movies I think of is, um, oh God, um, electric, um, I'm thinking of one in particular where like electric dreams, the kitchen like tries to kill the girl and I can't like, they make everything really hot 
or something like it heats up the floor or whatever it's trying to impregnate her or some shit too it's oh you're thinking of demon seed demon seed is that what that is i think no. so. yes it was demon seed we yes. watched it for... so there is demon seed there's electric dreams which is kind of like a comedy romance movie but mm-hmm. i still watched it and loved it as a kid because they had all this like crazy shit in it and then there's also like there's pulse there's things along those lines but now the fact that we're so connected i'm kind of interested in it and i know you guys like i'm not don't don't get me wrong like i get it like i'm a fan of fucking brad dorif i'm also a fan of the original stuff more than i thought i was when we went over every single one in the franchise uh or we did all of them right Mm -hmm. so i mean like i get it but I also feel like I'm okay with it because, like, I know everybody hated Hellboy, but they're giving it, a t- like, a 1 out of 10. Like, I'm sorry, dude, but the movie isn't that bad. Right. It, at, at minimum, it's, like, a 4 or a 5 out of 10. Like, I don't get... I get why they're giving it a low score, but I think that's fucking bullshit. And anybody that's a critic needs to chill out a little bit. Like, maybe go down to 3, but, like, 1? One? 1? There's no really? way it's that bad. Like, come on our show. I'll show you some fucking yeah, bad movies, I'm like, that's dude. That's how I feel. I'm like, I'm sorry, but they're j- <laughs> just based on the trailer alone, there is no way that that movie is a 1. No. It's a disappointment to some people, and that might be a 1, but the movie overall is not yeah, a 1. Everybody's just re- rating it or reviewing it angry. Based on their disappointment. Yeah, that's That's like is. us. Like, if we, we weren't fans of the new Halloween... And it's like, in my opinion, like I would never give it a one just because I'm disappointed. It's still a movie. And if it's average, it's a five. If it's above average and I liked a few things in it, it's a six or a seven or whatever, you know, just in my opinion. But I get that everybody's like very upset about all these movies kind of traipsing on like Del Toro and fucking Don Mancini and all this other stuff. But I don't know. I've been surprised by Pet Cemetery. I was pleasantly surprised with that more than I thought I was going to be and I was vehemently against it at first because mm-hmm. I thought it was unnecessary but I kind I of enjoyed like it. It's unnecessary but Yeah, but I'm it's... still so middle of the road with that one. <laughs> I'm just like nah. I'm I would definitely watch it again. I would probably even buy it. So, but but yeah, the new child's play, I'm kind of interested in seeing. I'll give it a shot. I want to see it. I want to see what it is and we're going to tell you what it is cuz we'll probably do an episode I'm on it. I'm not the biggest fan of the whole Chucky franchise right at all as you guys are pretty well aware because I don't find that shit scary so I I'm stupid I'm just kick it kick I'm it just, like a I'm child. just I'm just kick maybe it. I'm just too positive okay. and I try to give things a fair shot these days yeah. I don't mind being proven wrong like if I feel like like a movie is is like gonna be shit and I, I'm like no I don't know I'm not like like etching it in stone you know what i mean i'm just like giving my opinion i'm open to change i'm open to change my opinion about things and be wrong i'm glad to be wrong we should all be glad to be wrong right shouldn't we yeah instead of just hating everything but (laughs) i'm actually kind of excited after seeing that trailer for it right i love like the dragging of the knife across the ground i pauses in it too guys yeah wow i don't it's just kind of weird for me that she's the mom isn't it it is weird but she's so hot i don't care like, she's kind of, I, I hate so to say it, but she's so kind of hot. one-dimensional. No, I, I can see that. She kind of plays the same character. But have you seen um, Ingrid Goes West? 
Um, no, I haven't That's seen that. Decent. So yeah, actually, it's pretty good. It's like a little indie film. You should watch it. Just from what I've experienced, though, like I've seen her in trailers and other stuff like that. That grandpa movie, what was it called? The shit was so fucking funny. Where she was like <laughs> fucking him on a fucking bed or some shit like that. But I was doing research for a for the poodle fucking shit, the like <laughs> rabid suburban poodles, and I came across that in like my research for like different videos I could use to make the trailer and. Fuck, dude. It's Dirty Grandpa. Dirty Grandpa, yes. Dude. Which she's all grinding on fucking Robert De Niro, which is a little weird. It's so fucking funny. Her character's hilarious in that, too. But what do you guys think? Do you think you'd be interested in seeing this movie, or are you kind of like up in the air? Are you definitely not going to see it? I think it's worth giving it a shot so you can have an opinion, in my opinion. So, An opinion, in my opinion. Yeah, opinion, opinion. Opinion, so. opinion. <laughs> but anyway, opinion. <laughs> I know we've been gabbing on for a long while, guys. We're going to go ahead and jump into the interview with Corin Nemec right now. So buckle the fuck up and get ready to hear all about Rotten Tail and his adventures. Right now. What's up, guys? And today we have uh, actor, writer, director even, and uh, producer of Rotten Tail. We have Corin Nemec with us, who some of you may know from Parker Lewis Can't Lose, Webster, Stargate, as uh, Jonas Quinn, and of course the movie we're going to be talking about today, Rotten Tail. Welcome to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast, uh, Corin. Thank you so much for coming today. Yeah, you bet. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate the support. Hell yeah, we had a really good time watching the movie. Uh, kind of felt like a like a '90s like revisit almost in a way, like a edgy version of some movies that we used to see back in the day. So yes, it is it is uh, kind of a throwback. You know, we were doing the uh, even though we don't make a deal out of it. You know, it's supposed to take place back in the '80s, and uh, so you know, it's uh, it's sort of a period piece and everything. But uh, the you know the movie itself is definitely a throwback. Yeah, it, it I couldn't pinpoint the exact time but felt like an early 90s thing to me a little bit but i, I yeah, yeah early 90s late 80s yeah right and all kind of crosses the over the phone and the uh the dialing phone and the hairs the right. hairdos the crimping that's what i noticed that's what it caught my attention I also wanted to ask you about, and not a lot of people don't know this, or maybe they do, but you have been a huge graffiti artist. You've been a, a part of a lot of different events that showcase a lot of different street artists and, and, uh, have been very supportive of us, of, of all of that, I guess. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I've been in, uh, the graffiti art scene since I was 11 years old. Uh, and, uh, and it's always been a, you know, a big, uh, part of my life. Um, off and on, but I, but I, there's never really been a time that I haven't been somewhat active in, in that world, even though I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of living in a, in a, in a different world as a, as an actor, producer, whatever. But it's just, it's, uh, it's just an area of, of art that, that's always been a passion of mine. And I'm, 
definitely very supportive of it. Uh, I know it, I know it can be a somewhat controversial uh, um, choice uh, of artistic expression, but that said, um, it's just uh, it's just a, been a part of my life. So I, I just haven't been able to let go of that, and um, and I enjoy hanging out with my buddies. I enjoy going and, and finding a place to paint and uh, the social aspect of it. And it's um, you know it's an adventurous art form. So sure. I, I enjoy it very much. It's uh, I also I, I did a little research on this and I, I'm not sure if this is true or not, uh, but it said something about your mother used to be into sort of that kind of stuff or am I wrong about that? My mom uh, is a graphic designer. She's she was a graphic artist when I was growing up and she worked in uh, the music business and also uh, the, the theater. Uh, so she did poster design for bands and stuff that were coming through Atlanta. And then also she was doing uh, poster design for plays and musicals and such. They were okay. coming through the Fox Atlanta. And so uh, she ended up transferring, working for the Nederlanders in Atlanta, who own the Fox Theater and the Pantages and a bunch of other theaters across the U.S. And uh, she transferred from the graphic arts department in Atlanta to the one in Hollywood working at the Pantages. So that's how I ended up in Los Angeles um, in the mid-80s. Nice. Okay. And do you think that kind of influenced a little bit? Um, well, moving to Los Angeles definitely made my uh, involvement in graffiti art a, a lot bigger because when I was in Atlanta, I was just into the breakdancing scene and really was drawing really, really basic kind of graffiti style char letters and characters and stuff and nothing that was uh, anything special at all. And when I got to LA, some kids I was in class with were already heavy into the into that style of art. And I realized just how advanced it was in Los Angeles in comparison to Atlanta at the time. They were years ahead of us. Wow. And, um, I, you know, I had to catch up pretty quick. But um, but that that made it fun, you know, challenging. Absolutely. So you can break dance. I used to be able to. I wouldn't attempt it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember how big that was back in the 80s. I remember everybody, like, tried to be a break dance artist of some sort. You know, we break out the cardboard or something. So... But that's funny. Yeah, I was I was full on into it for sure. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your new movie that you actually helped produce and acted and starred in two different roles. Practically, uh, can you kind of describe the movie for our listeners who haven't seen it yet? It's based on a graphic novel that is published by a company called Source Source Point Press. This particular graphic novel, which was published in the late '90s. For, for whatever reason, has been one of their top-selling graphic novels ever since they uh, first published it. And when they started discussing wanting to uh, make one of their graphic novels into a film, they just kept going back. This is the story that I've been told, so you know I, it, I'm sure it's pretty accurate. But they just kept going back to the the Rotten Tail one uh, based on the the sales of it. It just seemed more logical to make one that already has a bit of a marketplace and a cult following rather than make one that, that, that doesn't have a strong of a following. So that said, that that's um that's why that particular movie was chosen. And also it's just it's just such a funny and and interesting and original storyline. It's and it's kind of an anti bullying uh premise as well, because the main character, Peter Cotton, uh, which I, which I play, who turns into Rotten Tail, he's bullied his whole life, even up to when he's working as a scientist in this lab. All the other, you know, the other scientists, the other people around there, kind of you know bully him a little bit as well. So he spent kind of his whole life never standing up for himself and being a victim. And then when he is bitten by the mutated rabbit while he's holding his uh, fertility serum that he's created, uh, it 
it causes him to slowly change into the rabbit man, which is Rotten Tail, which also is is like his alter ego. It's the it's it's the side of him that he never gets to entertain, the side of him that doesn't take crap from anyone and is is uh, is outrageous and uh, and is unafraid and uninhibited and all the things that Peter Cotton is. Rotten Tail is not, and right. he goes back to his hometown of Easter Falls to rid the town of the bullies, basically, that are now bullying the town as well, which are the same exact bullies he had to deal with in high school. But the lead uh, the lead bully, you could say, um, is played by William McNamara, and he plays a evil evangelical preacher who's gone back to the town to kind of... Uh, um, in, you know, insert himself and, um, and take control of an area of land that is, that is considered, uh, historical, but he wants to tear down the, the historical church and buildings there so that he can mine for gold, essentially, in, right. in the guise of building a new, um, a new church. Yeah, I saw you guys both. Both of your performances in this movie were pretty uh, great. Like I, like McMara, I wondered kind of if you guys all kind of riffed a little bit, like and went off the script a little bit because it feels like it, it might have. Yes, a lot. I mean, Williams certainly did a a, a whole lot of uh, of improv. I think that it was that there was stuff because there wasn't a whole lot written in comparison to what's on there, especially when you see the very end and there's just all those riffs that he's doing. Right. I, Brian just let the camera roll and just let him, you know, just go off, and he just captured as much as he could uh, in the time that in the time period that was uh, that was there because we had a really tight shooting schedule and a very very tight budget. Those were our biggest constraints was uh, the budget and the shooting schedule. But um, definitely there was there there was some freedom to improv and riff all, on the scenes and and the moments and all of that. There was uh, there was that freedom there. So I, I think that that lent to some exploration that, that worked very well for all of us. Uh, you know, Gianni uh, Capaldi as well, who played the mad scientist, and even Tank Jones, uh, who played General Phelps. He, he had some, uh, you know, the ability to kind of riff there as well. So um, nice. I, think it really, I think it really helped to bring the energy of the movie and, and sort of the, um, the outrageousness of the movie um, e- e- to make it even more outrageous than it already was. Right. Yeah. No, I, you know, I noticed, uh, it's like one of my favorite things about this film is that just your transformation and, uh, how you kind of, it's almost like a, this weird dichotomy that, you know, going between two different characters that are vastly different and you switching it between them. Do you think you relate to one side more than the other or, or both? It was kind of, in a way, there was sort of like the mask with Jim Carrey or something mixed with the fly or whatever. It was just, they, they, it was very high energy. It was exhausting. I did not do a whole lot after work except sleep. We had some really long hours and, you know, it was very, it was so necessary to keep that energy ramped up consistently throughout the whole process because if at any moment that energy dropped down, it would be really obvious. So, uh, that, that was definitely tiring for sure. The moments where he sort of like, you know, drifts in and out from one character to the other was, uh, was a little challenging. It was a lot of fun. But then once I went full rotten tail and was just in character for the rest of production, uh, that was just, it was just so much fun. I mean, rotten. Cotton Tail is a hilarious 
character and uh and it was just so much fun to bring to life i know that you guys shot some of this at least in in arizona did you shoot the whole film here or yes the whole film was shot uh in and around phoenix okay because i was wondering because you had to put on a lot of you know special effects like makeup and stuff and i'm wondering what that was like to be shooting here in arizona depending on what time of year it was i guess shot in february uh like kind of late january february it was quite chilly Especially out in the desert, we were shooting in some of the desert areas at nighttime. It got it got really chilly, which was great because I, I didn't feel a thing. It was so warm in that in that uh, costume. So not a lot. There wasn't really an issue with uh, with the heat because if it had been summertime, uh, it would have been it would have been brutal. It would yeah. have been really brutal. If it would so, have been July, you would have been dying in there. <laughs> Do you relate to one side or the other a little bit more as far as acting goes? Not really. No, I mean, I, I enjoy playing all kinds of different characters. So it was a lot of fun to be able to to play two two really completely different characters, uh, different ways the voice sounds, completely different personality traits. It was a lot of fun to play those two characters. And, and we shot... Uh, in, in, in pretty much in consecutive order, like we didn't switch to rotten tail until once we switched to the rotten tail, uh, makeup and everything, we didn't go back. So it wasn't like I'm rotten tail one day. I'm Peter cotton the next day. I'm back to rotten tail a third day. I'm back to, you know, so we shot out all the Peter cotton stuff and then the transformation from Peter into rotten tail. And then once we went full rotten tail, we just kept going, you know, from there. So it worked out, uh, uh, really well. Okay. I wanted to also ask you about this. So is that, is this just being able to go outside the box with this character in particular, both of them? Is that what kind of drew you in as a actor as well? Or, and, uh, as a producer, like, I mean, it seems like you were one of the first people to kind of join in on this. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, I was familiar with the graphic novel before getting the offer. So, when Brian called me and, you know, got in touch with me and, uh, and Brian had seen me do, um, act in, uh, Richard Speck, Chicago Massacre, and as Ted Bundy in Legacy of Evil. So when he saw those two performances, that's when he thought, oh, he, he, he would be great for Rotten Tail, also having known my comedic background too. So when, when I got the call, I was like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm totally familiar with the graphic novel. And, and it just, that made me even more excited because I love the idea of, of entering that world, even on an indie level that, uh, you know, that, that world of graphic novels and feature films. And, uh, you know, if I can't, if I can't be in DC or Marvel, then hell source point press is the next best thing. (laughs) It seems Uh, like everybody wants to get on that nowadays, huh? Well, I think that source point press proving, uh, proving that they were able to do it and and get it done and a tight budget, tight time frame. There's a, you know, there's a lot of room to make a profit on the film because of, of how inexpensive it was to make on the front end. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But I think other companies, uh, that have been gun shy about pulling the trigger themselves to, and producing it in house, I, I think maybe it, it might start a little bit of a, of a waterfall effect. So we'll see what happens. But I know that Source Point definitely, they definitely want to start, um, do uh, more of their graphic novels as feature films and also potentially do a second, um, rotten tale. 
Oh, nice. Yes. I noticed that you guys added a lot of new elements in it compared to the graphic novel because I read the graphic novel and uh, I like a lot of the additions. Like I like that they went a little bit further into the general. Um, I believe they even went more into Jake's wife uh, uh, a bit more, too. And even Anna Banana. Well, yes, there's I mean, in order to create, you know, a, a cinematic structure for the film, it was necessary to expand some of those storylines because a lot of what graphic novels do is they tell story in in a uh, visual context. So you don't necessarily need as much. Uh, you don't always need as much of the character dynamics and all of that. And it's and it's a little bit more of a simpler approach. Uh, but but the one thing I am happy about is that we really stuck to the 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 beginning, middle, and end of of what the graphic novel is. It's still very prevalent in the film. You know, you can watch the film and go, okay, they, yes, they, they expanded some stuff, added some stuff, everything like that. But the basic idea of the, uh, of the graphic novel is totally encapsulated in the, uh, in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and definitely, uh, without spoiling anything, it, it definitely leaves it open, like you said, for a possible second. Uh, now, do you think you would, uh, jump on that all over again? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about it while we were in production because stuff was going so well. It's like, oh, it just makes sense to, you know, to do a second one and, and hopefully be able to do it at a, at a, at a larger budget with more time and really be able to show people what we can what we can bring to the table because it's such a tight budget. You know, we're talking about under 300 K and 16 days worth of shooting and a third of that budget going into the, uh, into the prosthetics. Right. You, you can see how, how tight the, the budget really was and shooting that whole 16 days was really, really uh, a tough challenge. Fortunately, Brian Skiba is such a well-oiled machine, and he, because he does a, his, a lot of his own editing, he really knows what he wants. His cinematographer, Patrice, um, who's a, a, a gentleman, a cinematographer out of France, he really brought uh, a great style to it. His lighting technique and everything else really, you know, really added to what was tough in terms of our production design, we had, we had a solid production designer, but there was just no money. So a lot of, a lot of stuff was hidden in lighting and dark shadows. And, you know, so a combination of a really, really tight production design budget, and then, you know, hiding and disguising stuff with, with some very dramatic lighting gave it a, uh, a, a great feel and a great look. So I, I think that, uh, it's, it's sometimes when you pull off something at, at these tights, of a budget and this type of a, sh of, of, of a shooting schedule. Sometimes people are like, Oh, well then let's just do that again. You <laughs> know? Cause like I said, it leaves you a lot of fat on the back end to possibly make a good profit, but it's such a struggle to get it done in the way that you really want to get it done without having a bit more money and a bit more time. So, you know, we'll see what happens if, if we do get to make a second one, which I think would be smart of them. I think they'll probably wait and see just what, you know, what their profit margin is looking like in the coming months and then pull the trigger after that or whatever. But, uh, but you know, we'll see. I think it's going to do very well. I, I got, I've gotten, uh, you know, nothing but, uh, but really good feedback. And uh, the premiere that we had in Hollywood went went very well. You can always tell if people enjoyed a movie at a pre premiere or not by how many of them stay for the after party. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, generally, if the movie isn't that great and people don't want to talk about it, they want they don't want to have to be like, oh yeah, and they'll just they'll just leave really quickly and make an excuse like where they got to go. But after the film, the the you know the after party was as packed as the movie theater was, and people were just having a gas. And I got I got a lot of great feedback. And that's that's probably one of the hardest, uh, 
you know, the hardest audiences to, um, to entertain is, is a, uh, is a, is a ultra biased Hollywood, Hollywood, uh, crowd, you know? Right. Yeah. I can only imagine there was a, there was a scene in this movie that I got to ask you about. They do. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but there was a scene that reminded me very much of another film. And I'm not sure if this is like Brian's choice or somebody else's choice, but the Western thing. Now, there's two things that could pop up, but one in particular that reminded me of it is a movie called Funny Man. And it was like an a English movie with uh, a pretty gory, kind of similar uh, tone uh, as as Rotten Tail. Do you know anything about that or why that came about? No, I've, I've never heard of it myself. Uh, I don't know if Brian had seen it or not, but really it was almost more in, in homage to Clint Eastwood films than anything else. Right. But yeah, I mean, we had the, uh, the, uh, the location we were shooting at out there in the desert was an old Western town set. And uh, there was no reason not to use it since we had it. And uh, the production value of that location was was really great, you know, and there was just no reason not to, uh, to you know, to, to include some type of, of scene that took place in, you know, in the exterior of that Western town like that. Yeah, I love that scene. I thought that was great. So do you know what city that was in or like where that was exactly? Or Out in the desert outside of Phoenix. It was built for uh films years you know decades ago okay yeah i didn't i didn't know uh recognize it or anything like that but i know that you guys did also shoot in uh mel's diner and yes uh, which i've never even actually eaten at but were they did they have to shut down for that whole thing or something you know i i wouldn't be surprised if they weren't completely shut down because i don't know what our budget was to rent that place out but uh but we were in and out of there pretty quick i'm, I'm pretty sure they had it they had it shut down for the half day or whatever that we shot there Okay, yeah, I was curious about that because there was a. Uh, I looked in the notes and it said that you guys actually went to the Ice House as well, which is a pretty popular spot out here for a lot of late night uh, events and stuff like that. You used to have raves at it too. All right, no, we sh- we had some interior sets built there. Is that what it was? Okay, for like the labs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty open space. I've actually thrown events there. <laughs> that's why I ask. So without trying to spoil too much or whatever you can get away with, what would you say would be the ideal situation for a part two? Where would Rotten Tail go next? What would be some of the uh, things that you would like to see in it? Well, you know, um, I know that, that there is a first draft already put together that Brian has read and, 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 and made some notes on. He hasn't, uh, uh, he hasn't gone in and done any rewrites or anything like that yet. But from my understanding, that script is written. And, um, you know, and we'll have to see. Uh, I, I haven't read it myself, so I don't okay. know what, what they're actually doing with the second one. Okay. It doesn't even have to be that the story needs to be bigger. Or, you know, the story can match in terms of, 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 of scope, but, uh, but just having more of a budget and having more time would, uh, would, would assist us a, a hell of a lot. Yeah. I'm really glad that you guys chose to do practical. I think it's a, I know it's an expensive practice for a lot of different people, but I, I'm just, it just makes every horror fan so much more involved. Uh, they love it. Absolutely. So I think it's a, and, and the tonality of everything with the lighting, the acting, the everything, it just felt like it all belonged together. So I think having that, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but some of the, some of the practical effects in it were just really, really funny. So yeah, 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 I agree. So now are you working on anything else now that you want to plug or talk about? 
Um, I have a film coming out uh, later in the year. It'll probably do the festival circuit. Really great um, indie film called Sleeping in Plastic by Van Dithong. He is a very well-known photographer who uh, is branching out into directing, writing, directing now. So this is his first film. Did an incredible job. Uh, I have a really, really fun character playing this kind of redneck drug dealer uh, in, a, in a really small town in Texas. And, um, uh, it, you know, I'm excited about that. And then I just finished another film that literally the day my last day of shooting was the day of the premiere. And that is called My True Fairy Tale, which uh, which I'm sure that won't be coming out until 2020. But um, um, those two and then I, me and David Faustino did a new pilot for an animated series called Hollywood. But spe- spelt W-O-U-L-D, and it's a comedy with uh, with Gas Money Pictures. That's nice. an animation studio, independent animation studio out of out of uh, Los Angeles. And the storyline is basically it's about Hollywood, you know, the film business, and all the characters are fruits, nuts, and vegetables. And David Faustino and I are two peanuts who are writing, producing partners, trying to um, get become successful in a uh, in in the in the mixed up world of Hollywood. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, do you have any idea where that might be premiering, or or uh, if you know? I'm not sure. We shot that. You know, we did the the we did a bunch of uh, kind of short videos for it and stuff, and it's being shopped right now. So, you know, we'll we'll we uh, fingers crossed, but. Um, We've gotten some good response from it so far, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. So you and uh, Dave Faustino have been friends for quite a while. You guys kind of grew up in the same kind of world in a, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've known each other since since we were too young to drive, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you guys have done some other work together, so it's good to see that you guys uh, are doing something. So I hope to see that soon. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, I, I appreciate all of your time today, man. And thank you so much for coming on to talk about Rotten Tail. Guys, you should definitely check this out. Is there a place that uh, they should go to to uh, to check this out? Well, you can follow uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter uh, at I am the letter I, the letter M, and then my name, Coronimic. So I am Coronimic. That's just, it's the same address on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Or you can follow Rotten Tail the movie, go to rottentailthemovie.com uh, or follow Source, Source Point Press on uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And all the information is, is there for the theaters that it's released in so far. It's got an art house kind of release. Uh, a lot of like independent cinema and draft houses are, are running it across the U.S. and different cities. And there's, you know, there's been a trickling in of, of some more that become interested in putting it up at their theaters. And then after that, it will go into the, you know, the video on demand rental market and all and everything. And, and then you, you, there's also, uh, if you do go to Rotten Tail, the, the movie.com or Rotten Tail Film uh, on Twitter, you can find the DVD release option as well. Well, you can do a pre. Uh, they're they're doing some pre-sales for DVDs that uh, that will be sent when they're uh, available. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's very exciting. I think that uh, I think it's going to do extremely well over the over the coming months. I'm very 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 excited about it. Well, I definitely hope to see a sequel for this and see you in it, of course, again. But uh, yeah, buddy, thank you so much, man. I hope you have a great day. I'll I hope to talk to you soon for the next one. Right? You too, bud. All right, Absolutely. man. All right, guys, 
Thank you so much, Corey Nemec, for coming on and uh, sharing with us about Rotten Tail and uh, a lot of other stuff, of course. It was a pleasure meeting you. I really appreciate you uh, coming to do the interview for us. So if you guys are looking to check that out, the movie will be coming out on Blu-ray, I know for a fact, on the 26th. It is playing in some places uh, around uh, in select theaters. So if you are lucky enough to kind of catch that, you can check it out there. It will eventually, obviously, come to uh, VOD, although I haven't gotten a like a, a firm date on that yet but i do know that you can pre-order the the movie on blu-ray and if you're looking to read the uh, graphic novel i think it's on like comiXology or you can get a copy on like ebay or something like that so um that i i basically paid five bucks on comiXology which is now an amazon company i had no idea yeah i was gonna say i, I saw it on like am on something i don't know i almost bought it yeah i was looking for it on amazon because i was like well i'll just read it in digital and then like see what i think of it I'm but i'm probably still gonna buy it because i want to read it really bad yeah i it was a pretty quick read it wasn't it was yeah. like 66 pages I oh think, yeah i just so. didn't know if i'd have time before doing this so i hadn't done it yet but i feel oh, like yeah. i'm going to because it's inter- it looks interesting the art's really cool yeah i enjoyed it it was it was cool like uh it was i'd probably say it's better to read it on a computer screen yeah i'm not gonna <laughs> than on, on your phone. phone yeah yeah uh or just a physical copy if you can get a hit your can hands get a on it copy i'd rather have a i think it's like copy. 12 bucks on ebay 12 to 20 somewhere like that so but uh That's yeah nothing so yeah, we're going to go ahead and jump into our review of Rotten Tail and uh, kind of give you guys some of the uh, information on who's in it and then our opinions on it. We're going to go ahead and skip over any of the spoilers uh, this week. So the story is Peter Cotton, a scientist that works on rabbits and infertility, learns that the military wishes to use his work to create superhuman soldiers. Cotton is bitten by an experimental mutant rabbit and changes into an evil rotten tail. Which, uh, you know, of course, Corn actually told us a little bit about it, but I thought it'd be fun to read that just to see what it says on the back of the box, so to speak. Uh, this movie is directed, of course, by Brian Skiba, who is known for... A short that he did called Blood Moon Rising back in 2007. He actually turned that into a feature film called Blood Moon Rising, of course. And uh, it starred Ron Jeremy and Laurie Love. Laurie Love in it. Um, Porn? Kind of, not really, but it's just like one of those action films. It's essentially about a hippie chick that teams up with a comic book nerd to save the world from armies of werewolves, vampires, and zombies. Ron Jeremy's not in a porn. <laughs> I mean, he does Thank other you. stuff. Thank you. <laughs> Brian Skeeb has also done quite a few other movies, including a lot of Christmas movies, which I thought was a little weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no offense to anybody. I'm just saying, like, Defending Santa, Merry Xmas, uh, Christmas Truce, which looks like a TV action movie. I don't know. Beverly Hills Christmas. He's also done a TV movie called Left for Dead, Evil Doctor uh, TV movie, as well as he's working on, uh, or it should be done, is Killville, Atomic Night, and Always Another Mountain. Uh, now, this movie is also produced and uh, acted in by, of course, Corin Nemec, who, as we've already told you, plus he told you guys about what he's going to be doing, so we don't need to go over all of that. Uh, but it also stars Dominique Swain, who plays Anna Banana. Uh, she has been in a lot of different uh, films, as well as a Lolita Face Off, Alpha Dog, which is a pretty fun movie I haven't seen in a while, uh, a movie called Tart and Bloodcraft. Also stars William McNamara, who plays 
Father Jake, uh, or Pastor Jake, I guess it is. Um, but he's been in movies like Copycat, Stealing Home, Natural Enemy, Clark. Uh, also in the film is Gianni Capaldi, who plays Dr. Sirius Stanley. And uh, he's been in movies like River Runs Red, Among the Shadows, which is like a brand new uh, movie with Lindsay Lohan in it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just saw the trailer like a few weeks ago. It just came out. Well, I think I just watched Mean Girls over the weekend. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Okay, because I have HBO now and it has fucking Mean Girls on it, and I was like, yes, <laughs> finally. Also has Tank Jones in it uh, as General Phelps. Uh, Tank Jones is uh, a world guess. traveling movie acting on average health nut. He says motherfucker like a thousand times. Yes. in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. sorry. I was like, I don't. He's oh. the motherfucker guy. <laughs> He was in Breaking Bad, actually, as Chuck. Uh, he was also in Aqua Velvet and uh, quite a few other things. Um, and that's pretty much it. This is obviously an independent film. But Brittany. What? What were your thoughts on this wild adventure of this screener that we got early? On this wild adventure. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's all scared because Corin did the... <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that I think I was bummed out about the most is... Okay. That when we watched the trailer, I was actually like super stoked, really stoked. Yeah, because I remember it. that. Yeah, because it looked so ridiculous, and I was like, "This is gonna be one of those movies that's just gonna be so fucking far out there that I'm just gonna love it." Because mm-hmm. I mean, I love movies like that. Like, I mean, Greasy Strangler is one of my favorite movies, and it's so fucking stupid. Sure. Like, it is so fucking dumb, but I love it. I don't know. It didn't blow me away as much as I was ho- hoping that it would. I felt like there was a lot of the like really funny things that happened happened in the trailer. And it bummed me out, even though I still laughed about it when it came across. Like, oh, I had quite a few laughs there in was, some parts. I did laugh a lot. like So I will yeah. give them that. It was funny. Like It made me laugh, and I enjoyed quite a bit of it. I got a little annoyed with certain aspects of like the main character in particular. Yeah, Corrin's character. Corrin's character, yeah. which I'm well, like- Wait, wait. Do you mean Peter Cotton or Peter do you Cotton. mean- Or the rabbit? Like, I mean like- Or Rotten Tail. Rotten Tail. Okay. And um, like that character, like the makeup work, though, was badass. Right. Like, I've got to give a big old shout out to that because that was in fucking credible. Like, yeah. like, she did a really good, I think it was a woman who worked on the makeup for it. She did a great job. Like, that's a great piece that she put together for Rotten Tail. Right. And, but like, didn't you say that everything. one of your friends actually worked on this film? She did the costuming. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's in it, too. She? Mm-hmm. Which one's she? She's one of the church followers in the beginning. Oh. She's the blonde one, like, right there. Oh, in that's the, funny. In the beginning of it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was her. What a coincidence. I know it was hilarious because we were talking about this and then I saw on my Facebook feed, she had just gotten back from, I think, L.A. doing the premiere screening screening or whatever. And she's like, from Phoenix to L.A. And she it was I think she's with Corin in the picture. Might be. yeah. And um, she's wearing this fucking dope ass like blue dress or whatever. She looked really good. And she's like, hashtag rotten tail. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) uh, She does lots of shit. A lot of like horror movies and stuff like that. But. Well, that's interesting, though. Yeah, super cool. So that was that was fun. I forgot to hit her up to let her know we were doing this whole thing, but I'll have to do that. Anyway, I feel like the story kind of jumps around okay. a lot, and it's not really straight, very straightforward. In the end, you kind of get the point and the con, like where they were going, sure, with everything. But it just goes from like one extreme to another, and just like and then it's over. But it had its moments. Like the, the makeup work was good. Some of the like the gore stuff was pretty decent. There are parts that are really fucking funny. 
Yeah. In this and inadvertently or not, inadvertently or not, yeah, yeah, it's like while they're trying to be funny or while they're not trying to be funny. Like I think I laughed more at things that weren't supposed to be funny Sometimes, than like yeah. than you know intentionally. But um, the acting was pretty good. I felt like it was written relatively well. Okay. And over like I wouldn't I don't know if you'd really call this like a low budget. Movie. Oh, it is technically. Yeah. I mean nowadays, yeah, I guess it would be. Yeah, I mean tw- unless you have twenty five million dollars, that's pretty much. Yeah, unless yeah. But that makes sense. It's um, not a micro budget. No. <laughs> it's not like 15K. I love the fact that it was filmed in Phoenix, which surprised me. And I caught on to like right. m- middle of the way through because they were I was they he go he drives in at one point to and you just see the sign that says Los Santisma and I was like, That's my Los Santisma. Right. Well did you see the sign in the movie too? It's got like uh, flags yeah. pacing and like a, yeah, and it, it said was, Easter Easter Falls is like in yeah. the middle. Like something <laughs> I'm like, there's no Easter Falls out like, here. <laughs> I was like, Is this Arizona? Like it was I was laughing about that at first to myself and then like they did I saw the Los Santisma sign and I was like, Motherfucker, I know exactly where that is. I was like, this is cool. And then I was trying so hard to figure out what dive bar they were recording in. Oh, well, they, I know so that. So hard. We talked about it a little bit. They actually shot in the ice house for the, the stage setup and stuff. Totally makes sense. Right? I was like, I've thrown events there and like yeah. partied in there a lot. But that actually. bar that they shot in, that one scene, I was trying so hard to figure out. So if I can find out where that was, I want to know. Oh, yeah, I don't I'm, know. I'm so curious because I was like, I think I know that bar. I feel <laughs> like I know that bar. But then I'm like, I don't know if I know that bar. You probably forgot because you got too drunk. <laughs> I'm going to go with most likely. But there's so many hole-in-the-wall shithole bars in Phoenix that I've never been to. So right. that I just drive by and I've never actually gone to them. But, it, I mean, I do love dive bars. So I want to know because I want to go and have a drink there and just be like, S- take a selfie. Well, maybe when they if they Rotten listen. Tail bar. <laughs> yeah, maybe if they listen, they'll they'll be able to uh, tell us. So. I know. I want to know. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I had fun with this movie. So, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't pissed off at you. Like you normally like are? Like I normally are. <laughs> like I, wow, like I normally are? am <laughs> pissed off at you. <laughs> so. Hey, man, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, you gotta dig through all the pile just to find some gems sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm glad. I'm, Did you like this more than like maybe like Cherokee Creek or? I don't see. That's why I'm like, I don't, it's not a fair comparison. Because it feels, it feels similar in that vein. In a, in a, a way. Bit. Yeah. I don't feel little, though. Not super sleazy, but just like in that vein of I, like kind of yeah, wacky i see what you're saying i just i don't feel like it's a fair comparison these are two totally different movies okay um for me i enjoyed other aspects of cherokee creek more than mm-hmm. i enjoyed certain aspects of this movie okay. and vice versa okay so i don't mean to compare it directly things, to I, it. I just saying, mean though, like, like in, in the indie budget in film the indie budget sure like lower budget movie realm um i feel like i like them both kind of equally okay it's harder to kind of get really deep into an opinion without Spoiling, spoiling it, it. Mm-hmm. so um well you can kind of talk about how rotten tail acted or like certain characters but yeah. just not say what they said so i felt like rotten tail was like on an, like it was hit or miss for me like there was some some parts where i just felt like he was more annoying okay than anything and that has nothing to do with how he's acted i was pretty close to the graphic novel for the most part which is great but yeah. I, I just felt like which i mean i love that that's fantastic that they were able to do that but i just to me the character comes across as annoying okay in some parts like mm-hmm. but that's just me personally okay so and it's it's literally just like the voice that he's using for that character i think that irks me the most right and then it's just like your typical kind of um, Easter-esque, like, tropey things to say. Sure. You know what I mean? So right. I was like, oh, my God. Like, 
this is so fucking obvious <laughs> like well, where we're going it's predictable conversation or and whatever. you know what that, that part of the thing part of the reason that i wanted to read the graphic novel when i found out about it was because i wanted to get a base comparison to what the film was mm-hmm. and to be honest like they hit every single one of those points which is cool like it is kind of you know like the 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 graphic novel is kind of all over the place in some degree uh it's nowhere near as long obviously as the film they had a lot of different stuff in there but i feel like i liked like the overall tone of this film because i feel like it was self-aware enough yeah that it wasn't like trying to be too like like real and you know right. like but it wasn't too over the top sometimes like well and that's why i felt like i couldn't be overly critical about me getting kind of annoyed with that character because right. it is so self-aware yeah like they know you know what i mean like they didn't set out to make this movie for everybody to take it insanely seriously right there's well, no there's no way that those were their intentions you know right. what i mean like for them to be like everyone's gonna be this is gonna be everyone's household name fucking horror <laughs> easter movie they're gonna love it it's gonna be amazing it's gonna blow fucking mind hey, gonna win awards blah 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 like that can't be it was like we want to make this it's gonna be fun this right. graphic novels cool as fuck we're gonna bring that to life and you know they did that which is fucking badass so yeah. good for them. It's filmed fucking great, by yeah, the way. It really is. It looks really good, and it doesn't look like it was a lower budget fucking movie. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty. I believe they used a red legit. camera on it, but it looks good. Like it, it looks really nice. Yeah. So and it it played well. Well, for me, but like for me, I personally like immediately when I saw the trailer, I was like on board. I was like, yeah, yes, okay. Hilarious. Because for me, when I watched that trailer, the first thing that popped into my head was. Oh my god, like full moon and like all these like 90s like video rental store fucking shit that I would always watch. Yeah. Like it totally for me, even though it was uh, supposedly set in the 80s okay, is what so they that were was telling me. Right. Which I personally felt because of probably because of the music choices and stuff it because feels- they used like twisted and like all these different rap artists and stuff like I in- did like the music. You did? I did. Yeah. It, it yeah. has, Twisted did a lot of, like, three songs, three or four songs in it or whatever. But just that vibe and that style of music while the movie's happening is, to me, felt very much like a 90s movie. Like, like an underground 90s, yeah. uh, like, video. I was having a hard time placing the timeline. Yeah. No, I was too. But the lighting, you know, is definitely sort of 80s tropey, kind of like, now I want to say tropey, more pastiche, I guess, you know, to go for. Kind of like Hobo with a Shotgun was in a way. Like they did a lot of that, but that also kind of reminds me of like that, the end, um, the lighting that they did in the end of uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, Mm -hmm. where the kid one, where he has like turns into character, like the cartoons into reality and shit mm-hmm. um just i don't know just that kind of like rock sort of like lighting that you yeah. would see in an 80s film so it makes sense but uh i i thought i thought like corin did a really good job transferring between the two characters like i i liked his version of the regular guy versus uh, Rotten Tail. Um, I can see where it might be a miss for some people sometimes, like written wise about like Rotten Tail character, because it, 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 some of the jokes are kind of in that forced intentional yes. sort of way. So I could totally understand that. But for me, it wasn't, it, while it wasn't like uproariously laughing all the time, like I think all the moving parts together, like the silly fucking like priest or 
Mr. Pastor in this movie. He's my favorite character. He was one of my favorites uh, in this movie as well. Uh, he's just like, I don't know, there was something just a lot of really funny parts in the movie with that. He was fucking great. Um, but I also like that they used a lot of practical effects in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if, if you're not a fan of some of the humor that's in this movie, I think that you'll appreciate that at the very least. Um, I'm sure, and I hate to say, oh, it's not just for everybody, you know. But, you know, it's one of those movies that you probably need to have a little bit more of an open mind going into or maybe be familiar with that sort of style uh, to really get the the full swing of it. Because I have a feeling that younger people might or might not get into this. Like, yeah. like I feel like it's, it's such a pastiche in some ways that it reminds me of stuff from my childhood. And maybe that's why it, it kind of like works for me a little bit more than you, you know, because I'm pretty old. So... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, pretty old. Like, I experienced the 90s while you were still, like, you experienced the 2000s. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a fun overall movie. And I think the cinematography, all the different characters, the comic book esque sort of graphic novel feel of it definitely felt real. The practical effects were definitely cool. It is silly and over the top in the like, you're going to, you know, suspension of disbelief is going to be thrown out the door pretty quick. Yeah. There's you some know? parts that are just really like fucking funny though. <laughs> yes. There was definitely some really worthwhile <laughs> moments. Was this the greatest movie I've seen all year? No. No. But it doesn't have to be. It just needed to be right where it was for me. And uh, if you guys are fans of like full moon movies or any of those 90s stores, like straight to video kind of feel movies with like a kind of like a rap rocky kind of feel with the music, I guess, because it does feel a little rap rock a little bit. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think you'll appreciate a little bit. Definitely felt like 90s to me, even though. I wanted Rotten Tail to rap. Yeah. You know, I kind of half expected that almost. Yeah. Like, I think that would have been fucking hilarious and perfect at one part, and it didn't happen, and I was sad. (laughs) I was like, man. Well, they have like songs that are dedicated about Rotten Tail, I think, in the the credits. Uh, Yeah. So you guys might want to listen to that and check that out. But yeah, it's got a pretty big uh, soundtrack. If you guys know what I'm talking about when I say full moon movies, then you're probably going to be okay with this and enjoy it uh, for what it is. I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you kind of know what to expect. They did add, if you're fans of the graphic novel too, I think there's a lot more to it that will give you a little extra. And it's written in the 90s. I think he said 97. That sounds right. Right? Like, that's what I thought. I was like, maybe that's why. this is a, that's kind of along the times of like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, right? Zim, like all kooky kind of stuff like that. Time frames, like with all those comics that came out, like right. there was those and like Lenore was the girl one, and then like all of those fucking comics, which are amazing. Like the, what's his name, Johan or whatever, Vasquez. Yeah, so good. Definitely in that vein though so of true. like that yeah. that time but frame. The pieces that I saw from. The book, right? Like the artwork, that's what it felt like to me. So okay. that's very much. Well, yeah, because it's all in black and white in that time. Yeah, yeah. and which is fucking great. So they're even they're like, even uh, talking about maybe even making a sequel or whatever, and that's like untouched I mean, they territory. Can. There's definitely more territory to, yeah. to like. They never even had anything past that graphic novel. I want a fucking bunny puppet. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, little, don't little, say little, what little it little is. Bunny. Yeah, there's a character with or, or, or creature rather in the in the movie. Well, they already know that, but I mean, it makes sense that there would be one. But I want one. Yeah, it's so cute. <laughs> Seriously, it's the cutest fucking thing. And I saw like there's pictures, like they are like cast pictures and stuff, like with 
with it and i was like you're like i want that i want it <laughs> it's like that zanga deeks thing that we uh yeah that from the fucking the johnson's movies mm-hmm. uh, that we had uh the the documentarian on to talk about the movie and like they had a baby zanga deeks so from the johnson's cool. it's like i want both of those yeah. things that would be cool i want the little <laughs> fucking fucked up bunny it's adorable. Well, they said they spent like about, you know, like a third of the budget on the on fucking, that. on, on the, the, the practical effects. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which makes sense. In a, like in a fourth a of the budget or something. Yeah. So, but which yeah. I, which I feel like you can tell where like they ran out of money for it. Dude, if they didn't do practical <laughs> effects, I don't think this movie would have hit well with you at all. Probably not. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would say. Like, I'm really glad that they did because it just felt right. Like, it felt like. It worked. Right. Yeah, it worked in their favor. It was fun. Like it I was thought fun. that. Yeah. When it when you, it's hard not to talk about what we're talking about, guys. <laughs> just, just I know I have like a understand just like playing in my head. Definitely, if you're into the stuff that we've talked about, I think that you guys would be interested in uh, checking this one out. And uh, like I said, Blu-ray comes out on the 26th. If you're fortunate enough to find it at a theater near you in a select theater, go to like you know. Google and type it in, and maybe it'll pop up in uh, one of your local theaters. Maybe there's like a, a film place that you can you know that puts on these uh, kind of films. So yeah. we definitely had it out here. They even had a, a meet and greet out here, and I didn't even realize. Nope. Oh yeah, I want to give a shout out to Lisa too. Great job on the costuming, girl. Look fucking sick. <laughs> you did a good job. Nice. I want, I want that Jesus pendant. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> he looks so ridiculous. Dude, I love the stuff in the in the credits too. Like so with uh, Kevin McNamara. <laughs> that shit was pretty funny too. That was all off the top. Nice. Uh, but yeah. But yeah, guys. Um, if you haven't already, it's called Rotten Tail and you want to check it out, give it a look up. I'll put some links and things down below for you guys to follow Corin and uh, any of the stuff that uh, you might want to find this movie on um, as much as I possibly can in the notes here. But I want to give Corin a big thanks again for coming on for the show. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing that with us, man. It was a great honor to meet you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on our little show here and Hell yeah. talk to us about the movie. It's it the biggest show in the world, Brittany. It's we the- don't need to hear this. <laughs> Biggest show on earth. It's the greatest show the on greatest earth. Greatest show on earth. No, but guys, and thank you so much for coming by again this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, we will be back next week with something new. I don't even know what we're going to be doing yet. Me either. Fuck. We'll figure it out. We're not doing that. Not till Brightburn, which comes out in May. I'll try to post it on our social media, guys, what we're going to be doing next so that if you want to watch it before you listen to our episode, you can. Uh, if you haven't already, please do give us a, a review or a rating on any of our iTunes, uh, any of the podcast hosting sites that you listen to us on. Uh, if you're on YouTube, give us a, a thumbs up and a fucking subscribe and ding dong bell thing, whatever the fuck. Ding dong bell. Yeah, well, it's a fucking ding dong. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. They call it, it a bell, but I'm not going to be like, smash that like button. Smash that ding dong. <laughs> Because that sounds better. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, hell yeah. Smash that ding Smash dong, that guys. Smash that I mean, that's, that's what I do. It makes but, sense, um, right? Yeah. So, hey, I'm, I'm open. I'm going to go smash that ding dong right now. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming by. And we'll see you next week. And as always, stay weird, monsters. Tune in every Monday.